Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. I just want to just share with you today and challenge you today. Um, and I think that if I had to give my words a thought or, or, or title today, it would be, you know, is your heart ready? You know, is your heart ready? So let us pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I just thank you for allowing me to come back home to CWC and spend some time here with Pastor Dan Angie and Pastor Matt and everyone here. Every time I see the smiling faces and walk into here, you just remind me that uh, of your goodness and mercy. And Lord, I just ask that you keep your hedge of protection around everyone here today, their families, their loved ones. Order their steps. And Lord, I just pray that they do not see me, but they see you. And that if there's one thing that I say today that will cause one person in this sanctuary to do one thing differently and to take one step closer to you, then this trip was worth it. So Lord, I pray that you manage my words, manage my energy, manage my thoughts, and touch the heart of someone here today that will cause them today to make a decision to follow you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I get excited talking about football. As Pastor Dan said, we got a chance to meet in 1999, and, and I still am humbled, and I got emotional at the earlier service to think about how the Lord has blessed me to, to be able to start my 19th season, our rookies report today, our veterans report Thursday. Um, but for you to look like I do in a, in a business that I'm in, to be able to have the, the grace and the mercy of the Lord for almost 20 years is something that when I really take a moment to think about, it, uh, it brings out deep emotions in me. Because there's so many people that I've met along the journey that got a chance to spend one season, two seasons, three, maybe four or five, you know, in this business. But to be able to, be able to start 19 in here um, is really... Mind blown. The other thing that the Lord put on my heart, just even in between services, just to share with you now, and I think it'll touch someone here, is that pray to God to let you know if you're close to a championship. And the reason why I say that, I was thinking about a, a dear friend of mine who was at the St. Louis Rams, who had put in many, many years. And because we were entering a rough stretch, my first two years there, we had gone five and eleven. We had gone four and twelve. We were had won nine games in two years. Ownership had planned to fire us at the end of our third year, and that happened to be the year we won the Super Bowl. But there was a gentleman who had worked with the Rams, who was very talented, who had paid his dues, and I remember him coming to me on a road trip. At the end of the second season there, we were four game a four win team. Um, and he, he came to me and said, Kevin, I made a decision that I'm going to accept another job at the end of this season because I really don't believe, I don't believe that after next year we'll have a job here. 
And I remember being on a road trip, pleading with this person who I cared about, and said, just, we've come this far. Don't turn back now. And uh, we've come this far. Don't turn back now. And he made the decision to leave. And this was in January of 1999. And in January of 2000, we were touching a Lombardi trophy. And I've seen so many people in their life who put in the time, who put in the energy, who put in the effort, whether it's building a church, building a relationship, raising kids, staying sober, staying in school. And right before the Lord starts painting Lombardi trophies to get them ready, is that you leave. And so every time I see him, and we are past cross. My heart cracks for him. He's never been the same. He's never been the same. He went on to stay in sports and have a, have a good career. But he knows, and I know, that when we see each other, that we both think about, I've never talked to him about it before. I don't have to. But I can tell in his eyes and he can tell in my eyes that he looks at me and I look at him that says, I wish I would have hung in there. Because sometimes the Lord starts preparing trophies many, many years ahead of time. And it's not that he doesn't have the trophy ready. He's just trying to make sure we're ready to accept it. And when I think about it now, it was our third year that we won the Super Bowl at the Rams. And I, I, I wasn't ready the first year. I wasn't ready the second year. Our organization wasn't ready. Because, because we weren't ready, it caused us to do certain things to get ready. And ironically, I got a text message from Kurt Warner last week, and he's going into the Hall of Fame next week. And I remember someone sending me downstairs to go tell Kurt that we were putting him up for the expansion draft. And the Cleveland Browns had a chance to take Kurt Warner, among other people, and they skipped on him and drafted a guy, Tim Couch. And, uh, and Kirk stayed with us, and Trent Green got hurt, and kind of the rest is history. But to think that this is a Northern Iowa college player who worked in a grocery store, who played Arena League football, who was a backup quarterback for us to be going into the Hall of Fame. When you start thinking about that, when they say no eyes seen, no ears heard, what the Lord has in store for those who love him, um, and that's the letter I'm writing Kurt this week, that he epitomizes that. And the thing that I love most about him is that even he as a Hall of Famer, and when he was a backup quarterback who never played, and it was funny, they used to mix our mail up because Kurt Warner, Kevin Warren, KW, so they would <laughs> mix our mail up. So I'd get his mail, and, and it, I, I joke with him now that I remember early in his year, you know, it was a big deal. Probably one piece of mail a month would end up in my mailbox. That's all he was getting. And then when his career started taking off, I went to our mail people's like, look, can you please make sure you put his mail in his box and mine in my box? Because it was, it was coming in droves then. But the thing that, that, that has made him special to this day, his love for the Lord, his wife Brenda's love for the Lord, is that he has never, he's never changed. He's never changed. And so when I think about him and the goodness of the Lord and the way he's blessed Kurt and the way he's blessed his family, 
to think that he's going to the Hall of Fame. There's less than 300 men of all the people, millions of men in the world, who've put on a pair of cleats, a helmet, a chin strap, shoulder pads, who've called themselves a football player. There's less than 300 who are in Canton, Ohio. And to think I was blessed at the Rams that already we've had Marshall Falk go in, Orlando Pace go in, Court Warner will go in in two weeks, and I think we got about three more coming, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, and probably London Fletcher. But to think already on one football team, on one year, on one season, that we got three people going into the Hall of Fame. And I think it's a lesson that what God has for us, even our expectations, even our wildest dreams, he can blow those away. But I just want to come today to share a word with you from uh, Matthew chapter 20. If you have your Bible or iPad or iPod or, you know, I'm sure they got, people got chips in their head that they can pull up now. I can't, I can't keep up, you know what I mean? I can barely turn my car on and turn them at home. My kids now were empty nesters. My uh, daughter's in college in L.A. And, and been working this summer. And then my son is um, in college, and that's a whole nother sermon. But... Um, <laughs> I say that as a compliment that this is a you know, young man who uh, you know, was made fun of. He had learning difficulties, um, who was short and overweight, but uh, who committed to the Lord, uh, worked hard. And at the uh, end of his senior high school season, he had a handful of scholarship offers. Um, and we had a home visit from a school to remain nameless. And I told him, you know, Power, I don't, I don't, uh, I, your dad doesn't keep grudges, but I got a long memory. And I, I have a list of, of, of uh, all the schools that passed up on him. But I remember a school coming into our home in January of this year. Um, and it, it uh, I was not happy because I kind of put two and two together and the coach was kind of there to see him, but he was really kind of there to see some family in, in the Twin Cities. And uh, offered him a preferred walk-on. And when the coach, we walked him out, we were very gracious. I looked at Powers and he looked at me and said, Dad, um, you know I want to play in the SEC. You know, I've worked hard. And uh, I want to get there. What can I do? This is January of this year. This is only six, seven months ago. And I said, we only have one option. You can either go to a prep school or there's a school down in Florida called IMG Academy. And Florida is one of those few states that has spring football. So if you're willing to do it, I'm willing to do it. And so he applied, got in. Took his finals on uh, January 20th. I flew him down on January 21st, and I left him on January 22nd. He started school. He got over 3-0. He worked hard. He went through spring football. And 
the last week in May, May 20th, my cell phone started blowing up because of the way he had performed. Schools from California to New York were calling. And then uh, he called me and said, Dad, uh, Mississippi State, sorry, in the SEC, uh, in the SEC, thank you, I'm sorry, thank you. Uh, among other schools today, just offered me a full ride. And, uh, So, um, about a week before that happened, one night in the middle of the night, I could tell my wife was, you know, mom's worried. She was saying, what, what's Powers going to do next year? Maybe he can go back to IMG as a postgraduate. And I didn't even say it, because usually I'm very cautious of my words. But it's like <laughs> the Lord spoke for me, and I just said, he's not going to have to go back. He's going to... He's going to get a scholarship here in the next couple of weeks. She's like, Kevin, there's two weeks left of school. I said, I know. Because she was saying we need to look for a place for him and get him enrolled. I said, we don't have to worry. I said, we're going to Florida one more time, and that's for his graduation. And that next week, from the Pac-12 to the ACC to the Big Ten to the SEC, started calling about offering him scholarships. But he was faithful, and Mississippi State was the first one that offered him, and it happened to be out of the SEC. He gave him his word, and uh, I'm just, just overwhelmed with uh, joy because uh, tomorrow uh, he starts to practice. Um, start to practice. Amen. So the uh, young kid that people said he couldn't learn, his advisor called me last week because he's taking six hours of summer school. Greta and I took him in uh, early July, July 3rd, and dropped him off, and he started summer school. His advisor called me this week and said, Mr. Warren, I got something to share with you. He said, one of the classes that Powers is taking, he says, I, I know I expected him to do good, but I didn't expect him to have 100%. He hasn't missed a point yet. And uh, so he's down there taking uh, six hours in classes. They start practice tomorrow. So I ask that you keep he and my daughter, who attends Occidental here in L.A., and, you know, in prayers. And, and the thing about it is it wasn't even about the scholarship. You know, we could write the check for school. It wasn't about that. It was about the journey. And I told him I added it up when we were flying down to graduation. He and I transversed the country. Pastor Dan knows this. I mean, we went to camp from, and there were times that we were, you know, out of UCLA and going to Syracuse and Central Florida and Michigan. I mean, we were, last couple of years, matter of fact, he was so determined about getting a scholarship, he played on a seven-on-seven football team in L.A., just to remind you, we live in Minnesota. So every, every week, we, he and I flew out to L.A. for his games on the weekend. Um, and with the way the Lord works, uh, all those schools that we went to their camp, 
and that he thought he wanted to go to, the Lord waited to the final week of his high school career. It was 132 days from the time that I dropped him off in January to May that not one, but then multiple opportunities came in. And so I sat there even flying home from graduation, you know, asking the Lord, why, why'd you do that? I mean, why, why'd, you, why'd you have he and I flying around this country thousands of miles? You know, why'd you put my son through that stress? Because one thing about IMG, in the first three years of their football program, and I didn't even plan on talking about this, but I'll just spend a minute, they had 63 Division I football players in three years. You can, there are only 22 starters, so you can, you can do the math. Basically, if you started there, you got a full ride. And, uh, and what they do is they have an assembly every week announcing who signed. And every time I went down there to see him, I could tell one, the last time, this is the last assembly of the year, he still hadn't had an offer. And, uh, and when you, you, that's the day you get to wear the, sh the shirt of the school that you're going to. And I could tell his, his, his spirit was hurting. I could tell. And it was right after that. So I said, Lord, why'd you, why'd you take us through that deal? And he just said to me, one, I knew it would cause you to spend quality time with him. You know? Two, the biggest reason, I got big things, big plans for him. And he was not ready in January to even swallow these blessings that I'm going to put on him during his life. And so because of that, I needed to get his mind, I needed to get his body, and I needed to get his spirit right. And the best way that the Lord does that to us, sometimes it's not fun, sometimes it's painful, is that he uh, shows us what he has in store for us, but he won't give it to us until he knows that, one, we're ready to take it. And he told me, Kevin, that's why. And it's not only for him. And he said, I did it for you, and I did it for Greta, and I did it for a lot of the other people that are around, because, but God, this is not any contacts that I knew in the business. This is not anyone that I knew. This was strictly God wanted to say that I want to make sure that I get all of the glory. He's the first skill position player in the history of the state of the Minnesota to go to the SEC. So I say that not about my son and my family. I say that for you all in here. There's some stuff that God's, he's already got on layaway. He's, he's literally wrapping the package right now. And he's ready. He's just waiting for you to see if you're ready. So when Powers went to IMG, he was 6'4 and 3 quarters, 222 pounds, ran a 5 flat, 40, vertical 29, broad jump 9 feet. 132 days later, he's 6'4 and 3 quarters, 235. Ran a 46340, vertical 35, 
132 days. It spoke to my heart. The guy can, he can move mountains. He can move mountains. And he's going to move some mountains for some people in here right now. He's already started to move them. He's just had us on a different set, little movie set over here. And he's going he's to take us to the, to the show. So with that said, I'm sensitive to the time. I'm, I'm going to jump right into this fast. So the story of the uh, parable of the workers in the vineyard. Let me just give you the story. You can read it when you get home. What this is about is that there's a man who owned a vineyard. He needed extra help. And so he went out at 6 o'clock in the morning, saw some people standing around who needed a job. He hired some to go work. They had cut a deal as far as how much he would pay them. Then he went back at 9, hired a bunch of other workers. He went back at 12, hired more, went back at 3, went back at 4. Last one he hired was at 5 o'clock. That was the last one instead of 4. So then at the end of the day, it came time to pay. So the, the owner went to his steward and told his steward that uh, it's time to pay these men. So the people who were hired at 5 o'clock had worked one hour. And so he paid them one denarii, which is basically worth the amount that the Roman soldiers would be paid during the day. It was a good amount of money. And then he called, he did it in reverse order. Then the 3 o'clock people he brought up and paid them, and then the 12, then the 9, then the 6. All of them he paid one denarii. He paid them the same. The people at 6 o'clock got upset. And so they challenged the man and said, this is unfair, this is not right. We've been here for 12 hours laboring in this hot sun, and the person who showed up at 5 o'clock worked for an hour, you paid him the same thing you paid us for 12 hours. And what the owner of the land told him pretty much to say is that, look, this is my money. This is my land. You and I entered into an agreement. I've honored that agreement. And I don't know what you're tripping over. I paid you exactly what I told you to, that I was going to pay you. Matter of fact, I paid you exactly what you asked me to pay you. And now you're upset because somebody who came in 11 hours after you came in got paid the same. That's not your problem. And that's when he finishes up. And read it when you get home. In verse 16, chapter 20 of Matthew, it says, So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Many are called, or few are chosen. He said, basically, the last people I hired, I paid first. The first people I hired, I paid last. I paid all you all the same. One of the things I want to share with you is, is the five lessons from this story. And if you do have time, please take time, because it's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating story is one of the first things I want to share with you is just because don't allow one bad event, one bad situation in your life, because we have them all, to uh, impact the trajectory of your life. Okay? Don't, don't let that happen. So these guys, just one day. This was one day. This was Monday. And they went on Monday. They worked all day. They got paid. They got home. And because they got upset and challenged the man in Scripture, the Bible says that he told his steward, pay them and send them on their way. And I will bet you, and I wasn't there, but I feel like I was there, I will bet you that he never hired those people again. And not only did he not hire them, he probably told all the other landowners, if you want a problem, hire this group of people over here. Because they told me their price, I paid them their price, and at the end of the day, they were upset because I paid somebody else the same amount that I paid them. Don't hire them. 
Secondly, is that not all the advice that you get from people who are close to you is good advice. And I'm sure the people in that group, that 6 o'clock group, it wasn't just one person. It was probably a group of people that uh, were kind of nattering over the fact that they didn't get what they thought that they should get. So it's okay to get advice, but the best advice you can get is to get on your knees, lay on your face, and ask the Lord to direct you where he wants you to go and where and what he wants you to do. The third reminder, and I'll circle back on this, is it's okay to have visual reminders during the day. It's because all of that stuff means something. As I shared earlier, I had a traumatic experience as a teenage kid, and I'll give you the abbreviated version. I was riding my bike as a teenager, got hit by a car, broke my fever, the largest bone in the body, was in traction for weeks, was in a body cast, full body cast for months, had to go to the bathroom, number one and two, for months in a bedpan. Had mental issues, mental difficulties, uh, lack of confidence, no guarantee that I would ever walk again. So when I did my exit physical with the doctor, I asked the doctor, what did he recommend that would help me to give back the best chance of where I was before? And he told me to swim. Not running, that's too much pounding, I could break my leg again, walking's okay. Uh, he recommended biking, but you can imagine what I thought about biking after you got hit by a car, wasn't doing that again, was swimming. The only issue is that the house I grew up in, the neighborhood I grew up in, didn't have a swimming pool. So I told my parents, you heard what the doctor said, the doctor said the best thing to help me get back is to swim, and we don't have a pool, I would like to get a swimming pool. My parents, who loved me to death, who I loved to death, and I'm so grateful the way they raised me, said, Kevin, we cannot afford a pool, nor are we going to borrow money to build a pool. So we will take you to local pools every day, we promise, to help you to, to get back. Not that I didn't believe them, but I'm here to tell you today and challenge some people here today, Lord's put it on my heart, is that there's some people today who have some incredible ideas, some business opportunities, have a relationship that's teetering, making a decision, do they go back to school or not, because of the concern of they're waiting for somebody else to do it for them. I found out right after this exit interview with the doctor that I was going to get $30,000 for a settlement from the lady who hit me. The house I was born and raised in cost $13,000. The house we were currently living in cost $32,000. I was going to get thirty, dollars a lot of money in the 70s. So I went to my parents and told them, I want to pay for the swimming pool. I'm a teenage boy who just offered to take a third of a settlement, $11,000, to build a swimming pool and put it in our backyard. My parents were not for it. They tried to talk me out of it. I was adamant about building that pool because the doctor who we hired as a professional said that was the best opportunity to get me back to health. And it's amazing once you make a determination that you mix a great idea with money out of your own pocket of how much liberation that you get. And my parents could look in my eye to say that I wasn't playing, 
Because when people say that they've been on their back, I had been flat on my back. I had spent months in a hospital in traction. I had spent months in my bedroom in a body cast. And I knew what the Lord had put on my heart. I knew how troubled I was of even determining if I wanted to live any longer. And I knew I looked at my body and how bad a shape it was. And if a doctor who's gone to school, who's passed exams, tells me that the thing that will give you the best chance to get back to where you were before swim, I'm going to do it. And I was so adamant about doing it, I was willing, as a teenage kid, to write a check to put a pool in my backyard. And I went to my parents, and they could tell I wasn't playing around, so we did it. We got a pool in the backyard. And so I swam in the morning before school. I came home from school and swam. I swam after school. I swam at night before I went. I swam all the time. I did jumping jacks, calisthenics, up-downs in the pool. And within five years, the Lord blessed me with an opportunity to be a Division I student athlete. But the whole deal about it, and the reason why I say it's important to have visual reminders, is my dad, who loved me dearly, who didn't have the resources, and didn't see that it was important enough to go borrow the money, but at least he allowed me to put the pool in the backyard. He didn't know what he did, and the Lord will work through other people, is that my dad saved the bike from my accident. And he actually leaned it next to the storehouse outdoors. And he didn't know that every time I got in the pool to do my exercise, that was the thing that I was fixed on. So a lot of times in your life, there's some things that have gone bad or have not gone to plan, as they call according to plan. And instead of hiding those things, I'm just here to tell you that it's okay to spend some time to put them in a key place as a reminder that you can look at them every day. The fourth thing is that when you make an all-in commitment, it forces you to be disciplined and it creates incredible results. It's one thing for me to go to the local swimming pool. It's another thing for me to go to a neighbor's house to swim. But I wanted to put myself in a position that this swimming pool was 30 feet from my bedroom, that there was nothing that was going to stop me from getting in that pool. And when I, put, when I wrote that check as a teenage kid, my parents never had to tell me to make sure that the chlorine and the pH is right in the pool. My parents never had to tell me to make sure after one of those Phoenix dust storms to get the dust and the leaves out of the pool. My parents never had to tell me that when people, when it started lightning to get people out of the pool. My parents never had to tell me that once a month you got a, what they call backwash a pool. My parents never told me that. Why? Because I had spent my money to build a pool to help me based upon the Lord's voice to me. And one of the reasons why tithing is so important, people look at it as an expenditure of money. And that's the wrong way to look at it. If you go back and look in Malachi, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that he will open, what does he say? Does he say the cabinets? What does he say? The floodgates. But of what? Does he say the doors of heaven? If you go to most buildings, you got a couple homework projects, read Matthew 20, 1 through 16, and just for the next day, look at buildings that you pass. Most of the time, the windows are bigger than the doors. 
So when you spend your money, when you write a check and make a commitment, even when it may not look like that you have it, it's amazing what the Lord does. So what the Lord was doing is he was preparing me to do what I do today. And just like with my son, when he spoke to me and said Powers was not ready to go from Medina, Minnesota, and anybody from Minnesota know Medina, to Starkville, Mississippi to play football in the SEC. So what I need to do, I need to delay this package I got for him. I need to take him to IMG Academy to put him around all these alpha males to get him away from his mom and dad out of the comforts of their home and cars. I need to put him in a little dorm. I need to put him in this Florida sun. I need to put about 20, 30 pounds on him to get him bigger, stronger, and faster. I need to get him away so he can show academically that he can do very well. Because I know he's going to Starkville, Mississippi in July. And I know the history of Starkville with Emmett Till and all the different things that have gone on. And I know that Starkville produced Dak Prescott. And I know that stadium holds 60,000 people, and they're going to be playing LSU and Alabama and Ole Miss on Thanksgiving night. I know what he's going to be going through, and he's not ready to go from Medina, Minnesota, with people cutting grass and maids cleaning the house. I got to take him to Florida, even for 132 days, to get him ready before I go to Starkville. And that's what the Lord is saying to me to tell somebody in here, is that this season, if you're going through some issues right now, Please, take it from me. I just came out of it with him. Is the fact the Lord is doing it because he loves you. He's doing it because he loves you. If he didn't love you, and if he didn't love our family, and if we didn't have people like Pastor Dan and Angie praying for us and praying for powers, he never would have taken him to IMG. He would have just taken him right from Medina, and he would have been home in two months. And when my wife called him the other day and said, Powers, how do you feel? Are you like it? He said, Mom, I like it more than my wildest dream. I like it more than my wildest dream. So why is tithing important? Why are commitments important? It's because when you make a commitment, especially the commitment to pick up a pen and write a check, it takes you to a whole nother level. It takes you to a whole nother level. Next item, last item, and I'm just flying through this stuff, is I talked about my friend who left early before he got a Super Bowl trophy, is that it's not about the journey. It's about the journey. So in one way, it's not about the journey, but it is about the journey. But I know one thing, it's not about the trophy. When I go home to my home office and I look at my Super Bowl ring and I look at my Super Bowl trophy, I praise God for it, not so much for the trophy. I praise God for the journey because when I think about the trophy of what I had to do, I moved to Kansas City in 1990 with $118 in my pocket to start a job. I moved in an apartment had no money for furniture. And people asked me, just asked me yesterday, someone asked me yesterday, young man I'm mentoring in Minnesota, asked me, how did you know Greta was the right one? I said, you know how I knew she was the right one? She came from vast resources. And the first time that she came to our, my house for dinner, I told her I don't have any furniture 
And I think she thought I meant I had a bachelor pad. She didn't realize I didn't have any furniture. And we sat on the floor and ate Domino's pizza. And it was at that point in time that I said, this is the right person. I say all that to say when I look at that trophy, I don't think about the confetti landing on my head in Atlanta in January of 2000. I think about commuting to St. Louis, to Kansas City, coming home on Monday night, going back on Tuesday morning, doing that for two years, living in a hotel, falling asleep, crying on the phone with my wife. I'm trying to realize my dream. She's there with a the seven-month-old baby, our daughter now who's in college. That's what I remember. The Kurt Warner stories, Dick Vermeil, building that program to a world championship. So I want to encourage someone today, a lot of times we focus on the Super Bowl trophy. It's not about the trophy. It's about the journey. Stay on the journey, which in the last verse of this scripture that we talked about, what did the Lord say? The last will be first and the first will be last. And when I thought about that even this morning, I said, think what he said. The last will be first, but the first will be last. First, the best. Sometimes the best things that happen in your life come the latest. Come last. Some of the best things I look back in my life, it took years to get to that point. The first things, the greatest things, the scholarships, the relationships, the jobs, all of those different things come after years and years of sacrifice. So many times young people come and shadow me, and I love it. Because the first thing people ask you, young people are amazing. Uh, you know, where do you live? What kind of car you drive? You know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and a lot of them, you know, say, boy, I look forward to the day when I can park, like, in your spot. Because it's the closest to the building, spot 32. And I'll stop them in their tracks and tell them, you know, you, you need to really be cautious of what you ask for. Because the parking spot 32 is not for kids. You know how they tell you, you know how you grill and you start putting stuff and the fire kicks up and you tell the kids, get back, you know, get back. Somebody will get hurt. Spot 32 will hurt you. And uh, because of what it's taken, not only to park there, that's just what we see. But to get to spot 32 and to stay in spot 32 takes a lot of sacrifice. And there are a lot of people here today that have sacrificed. And the Lord is right ready to bless you. Let me wrap up with this. And I shared this earlier. I just read an article about one of my favorite athletes of all time, and that's Secretariat. In 1973, Secretariat run the Triple Crown, the Preakness, uh, the Kentucky Derby. And uh, Belmont Stakes. Two of those were records. One of them, the third one, should have been record, but the guy at the Belmont State said he was so excited about watching Secretary one, he didn't start to stop watching time. But what's so interesting on the Belmont Stakes, they said Secretary's cool down was faster than the world record. But Secretary was awarded with the highest honor every of a horse is when they bury a horse the entire body. Most of the times, and I didn't know this until I started researching this after I read the article, that if a horse is known to be smart, they'll bury the head for the brain. If the horse is known to have great legs, they'll bury the legs. But very rarely, never happens, they bury the entire horse. Secretary, they bury the entire horse. But many people ask, 
that still to this day, Secretariat, two of the three biggest races, the Preakness, Belmont Stakes, and Kentucky Derby, two of those three, Secretariat has records that were shattered still. Many, many years later, no one has ever been able to break these records. And the third one, like I said, he broke the record too, but the person was so excited watching the Secretariat run, didn't start to watch in time. And so people were amazed. Why, well, what, what made this horse different? And it's a great story of how it got the name that the first 10 names that they came forth with were rejected. It was the 11th time. And finally, it was the secretary of the, of the breeding house that said, why don't we call it Secretariat? That's how they got the name. But when they did the autopsy, the doctor who did the autopsy came running back to the owners and said, I've seen something that I've never seen before, and I probably will never see since, is that the average thoroughbred's heart weighs between eight and a half and nine and a half pounds. Every once in a while, you get one that weighs 13. There's been one who ironically got second to secretary in a couple races, weighed 16. Secretary's heart weighed 22 pounds. Doctor said he had never, ever, ever seen it before. So when people looked at Secretary, they could nev never under why, why, understand why it has such an affable personality, why it almost would smile, smile at the camera, why it has records that will never be touched. If you think about Secretary's warm down was the world record. That would be almost if you were a track runner and you ran a 200 meter and set the world record. And as you cool down, for 200 more meters, that would have been the world record prior to you setting the world record. That put it in the context. This horse was special. And what the doctor said, the only thing different from Secretary to any of these other horses was the size of his heart, 22 pounds. And so what I want to leave you with today is that as you face challenges in your life, as you work in the vineyard, and as you are this part of this 6 o'clock group that the Lord blesses you with, have a clean heart. And the thing that upsets me about this group, that 6 o'clock, and I've been there before. I've been one of those people who was looking at other people and said, well, I've done more and I deserve more and I do this. I'm not saying it hasn't been. I've been there. And just like I've wasted years worrying about everybody else, is that those 6 o'clock people who were there early, they should have been focusing on the fact they got a great workout that day, that they spent 12 hours in the sun in better shape. They should have been focusing on the fact they got a chance to spend time with this landowner. They should have been focusing on the fact that every three hours he was bringing new people to work. They maybe had a business idea to say, you know what, if I went to this guy and said, instead of you during the day, how about if I bring my friends and we all come at six? They should have been focusing on the fact that they learned the land better than the landowner did. I guarantee you the steward who the landowner told to pay the people probably has started in the 6 o'clock group one day and had a good attitude. So many times in life, the Lord blesses us with opportunities. But because it's got a little work into it, yeah, we might be there 12 hours. We might be there 12 hours in the sun. There may be some people who come 11 hours after us get the same amount of money that we got. But the Lord is not worried about money. 
And that's where they missed it. They were focused on what they got paid and what the Lord was trying to do, just like he did with me with that horrible bike accident, just like he did with my son Powers. It wasn't about the money. He was saying, Kevin, I have these things that are planned for you 40 years from now. I want to get you to spot 32. I want to keep you there. And I got some other spots I want to get you to, but I got to get you ready. And because your mom would come and make you your favorite food and get you hot cookies and milk at night and rub your belly and wake me up in the morning and, you know, call me these little pet names, he said, I can't get you to where I want to get you in that environment. I got to put you through some pain. I got to put you through some struggle. I got to put you through some lonely times. I got to put your back against the wall. I got to test your grit. But most of all, I got to test your heart. And to make sure that just like Secretariat, that when we look inside your heart, I don't need another person with an eight and a half to nine and a half pound. I don't even need a person, you know how the Lord works, I don't even need a person with a 16 pound heart. And just like Secretary's life, he just didn't break records, he shattered them. I need somebody that when we do that autopsy, that we look and say, come and see this. Come and see this. Because if Secretary's heart had been 14 pounds, although almost twice the size of a normal race heart, people would say, okay, that's cool. But when you say the average thoroughbred is eight and a half to nine and a half pounds, and this is 22, it makes it special. He had four legs. There's nothing else different, just his heart. And what the Lord brought me out here to tell you today, from Minnesota to San Jose, is that I would ask you to really look inside your heart really evaluate where you are in your walk with Christ we can always get better I made a commitment last year I said Lord my kids have done everything that they're supposed to do I've had a wife for 25 years I've had a marvelous life but there's some areas in my life that I needed to I needed to shore up I was, I was committed, but I hadn't written the check yet. I was a good swimmer in certain areas, but I hadn't written the check yet. Lord spoke to me, said, there's some areas I need you to, to write the check. And so I made a commitment, even last year, that, Lord, I wasn't going to play around in certain areas of my life. I was going to try to walk at least a step closer to the Lord every single day to get a little bit closer. The reason why these crash diets don't work is because it's not, you're not making a commitment. Someone told me the other day that great athletes don't do drills at practice. They work on mechanics. And when you add up a bunch of mechanics, then that becomes a drill. Work on your mechanics. I'm not here to preach to you. I'm here to preach with us. I listen to my own sermons. And I'm just here to tell you that if you make a commitment to the Lord, if you give the Lord your heart, that he has some things in store for you and for your kids.
make you shudder. He did, he did it to me. In that bike accident, he spared me. I should have died. In the back of the ambulance, the doctors were saying, this kid's not going to make it. This one nurse, I've looked for her, can't find her. Said, don't say that. He's going to be okay. And after I got out of surgery, she came in my room and just said, I told them you're going to be okay. I've never seen her again. So every once in a while, when I get hard-headed, I forget about it. Then he showed me his face with this Super Bowl deal. Biggest turnaround in the history of the NFL, 5-11, 4-12, 16-3, never been done before. I didn't believe him because I said, you know, my parents and family don't need to come this year because we'll win it next year. I got cocky. We'll win it next year. Well, there was no next year. So every once in a while, he showed me his face with my kids and my wife, this powers deal. And he's spoken to me and said, Kevin, I got so much, I got some stuff that's about ready to blow, blow your way. And I'm going to start letting it loose now, now that I know you're ready to handle it. But I can't have you at 92% committed. I need your heart. And I need it 100% committed. And I'll leave with this. When they talk about Jesus, what is the one thing that they say? What do they call him? The son of who? Son of David. So with all of his weaknesses... All of the mistakes with Bathsheba. All the things that David did, what was the one thing that people know about David? Was his heart. See, he was a man after my own heart. So I don't know when I'll be back. I hope I'll be back during the bye week. But I want you to know that I appreciate everyone here. I love Pastor Dan and Angie. I love these Vikings fans. I broke the skull chant out west. But when I look back at a new stadium, built it in 30 months, a new practice facility, Super Bowl 52 in Minnesota, Final Four the next year. It's all these blessings that the Lord is pouring out. And he just said, I've been playing with you. I haven't even just let them loose yet. So when you say your prayers tonight, ask the Lord to look in your heart. Evaluate the ways you can get better. I'm going to do it again tonight. Lay on the floor tonight. Don't even get on your knees. Lay flat on the floor. And the Lord will speak to you. Put your money where your mouth is. And he'll change your life. Thank you. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.